I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this shit like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and with a very special episode of Nerd Alert. Uh, we're dusting off an oldie but a goodie. We haven't done one of these in a while. It's been over a year. Uh, but uh, myself and my stalwart right hand man, Commander Scott, are riding shotgun. Well, technically, I'm riding shotgun. You're, you, that's you're, right. Yes. You're, you're piloting the vehicle. Oh, shit. I'm piloting? You're piloting. All right. I need to wake up then. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Pay attention. thought he was driving. Uh, I thought yeah. he was having those little fake wheels you give kids on road trips so they think they're doing something. Yeah. yeah I'm actually driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So don't, don't, do the, don't do the back and forth, you know, <laughs> driving wheel. That just it, it makes me queasy. <laughs> uh, no, we are on our way to the... Beautiful, historic downtown Sourback Family Drive-In. That is not downtown anywhere, uh, but that's the joke. hey Jokes are funny when you explain them. Uh, we're on our way to the Sourback Family Drive-In to check out what was originally going to be a double feature of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, but for some weird-ass reason, Sony won't let them do Ghostbusters 2. So it's now a Ghostbusters 1 Men in Black double feature, which honestly, it's not a bad double feature. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I think part of the reason they don't want Ghostbusters 2 shown... I mean, obviously it has something to do with uh, Afterlife coming mm-hmm. out soon. Because I think they, they also said this was the last weekend that they could show Ghostbusters 1. This is 1. as late as they were allowed to do screenings for Ghostbusters 1. Yes. But I think they're allowing Ghostbusters 1 because Ghostbusters 2 is going to you know is gonna be a direct tie into the events of 1. We're going to get you know references to what happened in 84 in New York. We're going to get... Uh, uh, we're we're going to get at least a terror dog. We know that. I'm sure we're going to get something Gozer-ish and, and everything. So it's going to be a direct tie-in. Personally, and I know it's not an official like reboot sequel, mm-hmm. you know, because Ghostbusters Two is still canon. It's still going to be canon. But I, I kind of feel like Sony's okay if people treat it as if it's a a, a reboot sequel. I, I, I'll put it this way, and I've, I've talked with Grit about this a bunch because he was afraid, like a lot of people, that they were just going to ignore the, the events of two. I don't think we're going to ignore two, but I don't think we're going to reference it as much. Yeah, uh, it, we're not going to negate anything from two, but we're not going to directly call out stuff from two. Um, I mean, you got to remember the director's cameo; he is in Ghostbusters two. Uh, he wouldn't decanonize his own cameo. So, no, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it's a bit weird. I mean, at this point, you would think Tony's happy to drum up any interest in the franchise. Um, 
because it's weird because I've always wanted to do a double bill of Ghostbusters one and two. Uh, you know, we've done one or the other several yeah. times. But we've never done a double billing. Um, that and I'm at a weird point in my fandom of Ghostbusters, but honestly, right now I'd, I'd rather watch Ghostbusters two than Ghostbusters one. Hey, you can't beat Peter McNichol in that movie. Man, it's hilarious. I love Ghostbusters too. It is it is so unfairly hated upon, and I do not understand uh, the hate it gets it, from fans and non-fans and casuals and whatnot. The only thing I don't like in Ghostbusters two is the damn Statue of Liberty. Oh, I hate come on. the Statue of Liberty. Is it because they don't make Nikes in her size? Well, I mean, so first of all, the the, the whole thing of it being able to flex, even with the slime. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's just a little. It it, it strains. Uh, credulity just a little bit uh, but if you look up how tall so first of all the Statue of Liberty is not really that tall it stands on a huge ass pedestal it's like a two or three story oh, yeah, pedestal yeah. so first of all I don't see how she got off the pedestal okay yeah you you just be quiet over there and then if you look at the depth of the bay versus the height of the statue mm-hmm. the bay's not that deep Okay. The bay would only come up to like... Sorry. I measured it, or I looked it up once, and the height difference, like, it comes up to her like her waist or some shit. I don't... It just... No. And, and then... It, I just... No. And if there's any doubt uh, that Scott Cox keeps the nerd and talk nerdy to me, his nerdness just outweighed his geekness. Hey, did. The, the scales tipped. Yeah, look, I, I know it doesn't make any sense, and I really don't give a shit. Uh, again, the, I, the the criticism I will I will that I hear from people that I understand and can agree with is that the the framework of Ghostbusters two is is, is Ghostbusters one. Yeah, and, and I get that, and that's a legit complaint. And there's a lot of things that I don't think really quite make a lot of sense in two, but we're doing them in two because we're calling back or, or repeating something from one. Uh, I get that, and yeah, a lot of sequels do that. Well, yeah, that was that was like the standard sequel framework in the eighties yep. and nineties. Yep. I mean, there are things about it I don't know. You know, like you know, we broke up Dana and Peter so we could watch them get back together again. I, you know, that's a legit complaint. It's one of my big pet peeves now in movies, and it's there. It's there at least in part because of Ghostbusters too, and that's it's a thing. It's a trope you see in sequels a lot. Is we take the couple that spent the whole first movie getting together and we tear them apart just so you can watch them get back together again. But, uh, I mean, I still think Ghostbusters 2 is great. It holds a very special place in my heart. It's the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Uh, I think I've told the story many times on the show, but I'll tell it again. It was the summer, 1989. Family was uh, visiting family in Minnesota. And I was dead set on, guys, we have to go see Ghostbusters 2. I I don't know if we can take this trip. I have to go see Ghostbusters 2 because they don't have movie theaters in Minnesota, apparently. Nope, nope. Yeah. Tell four and a half year old John that. <laughs> so we, we finally went, and uh, I threw a fit in the parking lot because as I'm getting out, my little sister says, "You are not taking that inside." That being my blue Kenner Proton pack. Uh-huh. I was like, uh, "Mom, <laughs> we're going to see Ghostbusters too. What happens if the ghosts come out of the movie screen? <laughs> Who's going to fight them off? Right? It's going to fall on me." Perfectly sound logic to me. And I didn't know. Uh, uh, Lewis Tully's story arc in Ghostbusters 2 yet, but I already felt the kinship with Lewis. I'm like, hey, I'm the fifth Ghostbuster here. Someone's gonna... Um, yeah, I did not win that argument. Aww. Stayed in the van. Uh, but still had a great time with the movies. Uh, which is what the, one of the first times um, I saw Ghostbusters 
one in theaters. I think it was a showing in Ohio right around the time the game came out. I remember sending my mom a picture of me in the theater, and then the seat next to me was my proton pack. <laughs> and I said, you can't tell me what to do anymore, Mom. So, I, I did not see it in theaters until many, many years later. Uh, actually, I think it was, I don't know if it was the 30th anniversary or not, or we may have done a screening before the 30th. But, I saw it on, you know, I, I had I had VHS copy, you know, that I wore out mm-hmm. and everything uh, when I was a kid. Because I started, I started with the cartoon. And... But I do remember the first time I saw a widescreen version of Ghostbusters. Oh. When I got my I got my Blu-ray player, not Blu-ray, I got my, my first DVD player, which cost me, like, way much more than DVD player ever should cost anyone yep. to buy. Um, but uh, we, uh, so I, I bought, you know, the, the first DVD widescreen that came out and everything. And up to that point, all I had was the VHS, what we would now refer to as pan scan, but there was no pan scanning yet. So they just, they just, they just cut, they just dropped it, you know, and you didn't get it. And so I remember seeing, uh, first of all, I remember seeing the elevator scene and I'm like, oh shit, I can see all three of them. (laughs) But then the biggest one was, uh, because in the elevator screen, in, in the old VHS, they did pan and scan. They, they did, they started out with him and then when Egon flips on the thing and he goes over. It's that they, weird, awkward, it's not really a pan. No, it's it's like the, the, the camera detaches from the thing. And, the the and, closest thing I can compare it to, if, if, you do, if you're unfamiliar with pan and scan, it's sort of like if you've ever done like a, a, a photo slideshow and you like adjust the photo during a slideshow, it's an unnatural movement yep. where the, 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 the you know, nothing in the photo was moving with the photo. You know, your, your, your perspective shifts. You're tracking across that frame. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very weird. It takes you out of it. It's very unnatural. It's, uh, it, it plagued some VHS stuff. Yeah. Well, but then when I got to the scene in the Sedgwick where, where after they capture Slimer and Peter's giving them the bill yes. and Egon is signaling him the thing. With the fingers in. Yes, that was never pan and scanned on the old copies. It was just dropped completely. Yep. Didn't Cut even out. know it was there. And I'm like, oh shit, that makes that scene ten times more funny. Yep. And how that's the genius of Harold Ramis. Is that he's, he, he didn't have to be, you, you don't have to be the loudest guy in the room to be the funniest. It was great. It's, uh, another thing I have to give Ghostbusters 2 credit for, uh, for many reasons, is Ghostbusters 2 introduces, among other things, a brand new Ghostbuster uniform. Uh, it's not just the old khaki anymore. We've got the GB2 charcoal gray. And where would the GB fans' forums be if we didn't have people arguing over what color gray or black <laughs> or charcoal or dark blue those uniforms really were? Well, see, now that reminds me. Because earlier <laughs> earlier I said the only thing I dislike about Ghostbusters 2 is Statue of Liberty. That is not true. Okay. I'm going to have to, to retcon that. There are two things I hate in the Ghostbusters 2. The damn Ghostbusters 2 logo on the car, the firehouse, and the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Now, I get Ghostbusters 2 logo for the movie posters and, 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 and all that good stuff. But the promotional material. That was... That was Hi, babe. Sorry, I missed you. I missed you, too. Did I do anything? S- Sadie pooped. Kimber did not. They both peed. Okay. She's the only happy now, so. Okay. 
I love you. I love you too. I'll Bye. see you tomorrow. Bye. Cameo by Whitney. Uh, I noted the time, so. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh... Huh? So, yeah. So there are so, two things you hate. Yeah, so I, so I get the Ghostbusters 2 logo being on. The, the, the promotional material, the, the posters, the box art, everything else like that. But it makes no damn sense in story for it. Oops, sorry. Damn it. Some bitch. It's got spitting on my car. <laughs> it makes no sense in story for them to completely rebrand the business uh, with this damn two logo on their uniforms, on the car, and, and everything else like that. I'm really happy the fact that that fucking 2 logo is gone from Ecto-1 in Afterlife. Because <laughs> it's just dumb. A lot of things are apparently gone from the Ecto. Yeah. I still really just want to see when, when uh, uh, what's his name, Finn Wolfhard's character gets to the barn and pulls off the sheets of the Ecto. There's just like a pile of stuff next to it that he got stripped off the 1A. Yeah, I firmly expect to see that stuff sitting over in the corner. Or something. Be, I, I would love that. But uh, no, I, 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 I've heard people make that argument before. Um, they they hired. What happened was Scott is, is the Ghostbusters hired that same marketing firm that helped out the real Ghostbusters, <laughs> uh, where we rebranded the real Ghostbusters as Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, and changed a bunch of voice actors and redid Janine and Peter and all that. Yeah, it's those same people were like, no, 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 Ghostbusters. People don't like that, man. You guys ruined half the city. People are mad at you. Ghostbusters 2 no one's heard of that before clear slate man really because like it didn't, it didn't it didn't work they, they reverted back to the old logo it was a whole big mess well yeah really because literally in front of newspaper reporters and everything Peter declares we're back uh, shut up I'm sorry Ray declares we're back we're back well they both kind of did Peter says we're back with the beautiful or the only we're the best. We're the beautiful. Or whatever. Oh, I don't know. So, uh, remember when yes. I said that we wouldn't stay on our chosen topic? We haven't even gotten top again. <laughs> I tried to steer it on once, and you took us right back off again. Oh, yeah, you did, didn't I did. you? I did. I did. I was trying to oh, segue, and you God, took us. God, yeah, yeah. I missed that segue. Damn. That's okay. Yeah. It was a very subtle segue. <laughs> it was a stealth segue. <laughs> so, one of the things I loved about Ghostbusters 2, as a kid... And even more now as a grown-up cosplayer, is it introduces a new uniform variant for Ghostbusters. It's not just the old standby khaki. We get the uh, the GB2 uniform, which again, uh, you can debate endlessly on the GB fans forums if it's charcoal or gray or dark blue or whatever. But uh, we're just going to call it the the gray uniform. Yeah. Speaking of the Ecto One, oh, sorry, <laughs> is the Ecto One white or is it eggshell <laughs> or? Off-white. Now, I really liked on the uniforms on uh, GB2 the fact that they dropped the leg hose, too. Yes, on because the, the leg hose was dumb. Yes. Yeah. Now, we do see the khakis again in 2, and they still mm-hmm. have the leg hose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Yeah. they, they rebuilt the uh, the khaki. Um, you can tell the, the material of the flights is different, but they, they built them as best they could to look like the ones from the first film, so they had the leg hose back on them. Um, but no, I, I I love the look of the GB2 stuff. It was you know it was 
similar enough, you know, the, the patches and whatnot, it's clearly identifiable as Ghostbusters. It's different enough to kind of stand out. I thought it was cool. Um, and as a cosplayer, it's amazing when you have a multi-day convention to have more than one uniform to change into. Because, uh, man, let me tell you, day four of Dragon Con, that khaki <laughs> uniform starts to get more than a bit right. Uh, and anyone who's been to a con knows exactly what I'm talking about. Well, tonight we're going to see how my uniform fits me. That's going to be fun. I haven't suited up in, in, in over a year. <laughs> Yeah, Scott's 100 pounds lighter since the last time you put that suit on. It's yeah. Gonna, I feel like it's going to look like a lot like when you put mine on at uh, Gen, or the uh, gaming con. I look like I'm a five-year-old. I'm going to look like I'm going to look like five-year-old John. I like it. Hey, five-year-old John had his own tailored uniform, so. Um, but the look of the Ghostbusters uniform, um, if you're an Uber nerd, you might know, was originally meant to be a lot, uh, well, not a lot different, but was meant to be uh, a bit different than what it ended up being. In the earlier drafts of the Ghostbusters 2, Danny describes the uniforms uh, as having a few more features than they would end up having, looking a bit more militaristic. I think there was a beret worked in there somewhere. <laughs> and uh, what do they call them? Opalettes on the shoulders. E- epaulets. Epaulet, there you go. Epilepsy on the shoulder. <laughs> um, so the uniforms ended up getting not exactly what Danny had in mind, but I feel like a bit of a compromise. But that does bring us to what was intended to be the, the, the sort of jumping off topic uh, is is uniforms in TV and movies for fictional organizations or what have you um, uniforms can be fun, they can be disappointing uh, uniforms are, are great to cosplay as so we're going to talk about some of our favorite uniforms uh, obviously Ghostbusters being at the top of that one because man, flat suits can be comfy if you can find them in your size, and that can be tricky. I'm still trying to find a flat suits cut with a longer body, not just longer limbs. But uh, especially, especially you know, in the summertime, you can get away with wearing less, you know, under the flight suit. In fact, you can get away with wearing nothing, and it's really nice if you just smear yourself with like petroleum jelly before getting into the flight suit. It's, it's wonderful. Indeed, do you not do that? Uh, Scott, when you're in uniform, the petroleum jelly is called ectoplasm. Huh. Stay in character, okay? Buddy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I thought you were going to go with the whole, uh, you know, you can wear shorts and a t-shirt. And yeah, it'd be fine. And uh, you, you went a whole different direction with that, buddy. <laughs> whole different direction. Oh, uh, but I don't know. I, I really like. There's been a lot of fictional uniforms over the years that I've I've enjoyed. Well, let's start with what I think is sort of the go-to standard, uh, only because so many things go back to it or, or draw inspiration from it. Um, the original series, Star Trek, well, Starfleet uniforms. Now, now, keep in mind, I, I could spend an entire show on just Trek uniforms. I know. Okay. Uh, now, uh, there's, there's actually a very common misnomer when it comes to the original series uniforms, there's actually a couple. So originally, I believe, and I believe I've read this before, but I don't have any references to cite right now. Um, the 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 command division being gold uh-huh. was originally supposed to be like a lime green, but the original material they used with the uh, the color saturation of the film stock, they came out yellow. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Which is why in the second in the second season when Kirk has that that wrap wrap around yeah that's why it looks more green because they they changed material for that. Interesting. And and it it, it still looks green. Um, But there's a misnomer, and the misnomer because you know you've got the the you've got the Starfleet Delta is is on the on the 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 breast and uh, everything. Well, the the misnomer is that. A lot of people, if you find a lot of Trek fans, they will tell you that every ship in the original Star Trek series had its own emblem. Mm-hmm. That not every that. not every ship used the the Delta. The Delta was Star Trek, and that's not true. Okay. Now we thought this for a long time because there is a scene. Uh, there's an episode where uh, people from crew members from another ship, uh, and I. I I don't once again. I don't have the stuff right up in front of me. I forget which one it was. I think it was the Exeter, but I'm not sure. But they had a different symbol, right? You know, on theirs. It was this weird snake thing or something and everything. But if you watch all the episodes, there are that's like the only instance where you see a different patch from people from a starship. Okay. Because when you see people on, on star bases, they wear they don't wear the Delta. They wear something else. If you see somebody from there's another one, like the 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 the, the, the engineers cores and stuff like that. They they have different ones. And there was a memo that was brought to light um, here just I'd say five or six years ago. It was back when when Rod Roddenberry was going back through the archives and stuff. Uh, and he was putting together a, a, a new special behind-the-scenes Blu-ray thing that oh, okay. I may or may not have two copies of. But I need to borrow one of those. Um, and uh, what had happened was there was a guest director, or there was a director that came in to direct an episode or something, and somebody screwed up and didn't read the primer. Okay. And on the costuming, they did, they didn't want the, the, the Delta. They wanted something else. And they said, can we do that? And somebody said, yeah, I think we can do that. So they had it. And it was it was in print before anybody could catch it. Ah. And the, the Gene Roddenberry's, because Starfleet is somewhat of a paramilitary organization, and Gene Roddenberry set this up this way. So in the original, like, writer's guide and the, and the primer and everything uh-huh. for the visual cues for the way Star Trek should look, Everybody who's who's on starship assignment has the Delta. Okay. Everybody who's on starbase assignment has a different one. Okay. Everybody who's on like uh, merchant marines, they have a different one. So it depends on which which duty you're stationed you're assigned to as to what your your chest symbol is. Okay. But yeah, interesting. Well, uh, Delta pins aside, uh, Star Trek did kind of set the what I would consider the standard for uniforms in that it uh, denotes different colors for different uh, divisions, stations, whatever. Uh, like you said, you know, gold is command, uh, you know, red is security, the famous red shirts, uh, blue being what, medical or science? Yeah, and, well, actually, blue is not medical. Okay. Blue is science. Because okay. if you look, so on the on the deltas, each delta has a symbol inside it, depending on what division you're a member of. Right. Of course, go, you know, go for command. They have the star, 
um, operations, which includes your security and engineering staff, they have, uh, uh, it's a circle with a, an ellipse inside it, and it's meant to be a, a three-dimensional representation of kind of like a, you know, uh, an atom type thing. Uh, I'm sorry, that's science. Okay. Science is that one. Yeah. Wow, I just, that's just, I should never have done that. Um, and engineering, en- engineering is basically like a, a gear type upside down six thing or like weird. I'm not sure what it's supposed to be. Okay. But uh, when McCoy is actually in scrubs, his his pin has a cross. Or it's not pin, but his, his thing, it has a cross in it. So medical is actually a whole different division okay. than science. Okay. Uh, because his change is depending on what function he's doing at the time. Well, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Next Generation, isn't there like a teal kind of offshoot for medical? I think you're thinking of uh, Dr. Crusher's lab coat. Is that what that is? Yeah. It's, okay. It's, 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 a, it's a lighter blue lab coat is what she's wearing. But, okay. but in Next Gen... Of course, they drop the the symbol in in the the, the right. badge. So yeah, it just becomes blue for medical and science in that one. Uh, and then of course they they swap gold and operating command and operations with the gold and the red. And the entire reason they swapped that is because they didn't like the way uh, Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes looked in gold. They thought huh. they looked better in red. So okay. like, screw it, switch them. It's been almost a century. Stuff changes. <laughs> I love to be on the crew. When they first switch over to command and, and, and security, the red shirts for the gold shirts. <laughs> the, the mass confusion of that. Uh, but, yeah, that was that was why they did that and, and everything. All right, so, without leaving Trek, uh, over the years, uh, we've had lots of different variations on Trek uniforms. Scott, do you have a favorite Trek uniform? Oh. If you need to think, I can, I can uh, stall you for time. Oh, no, no, I don't need okay. to think on that. Shit. What you got? Favorite so, Trek uniform? So, uh, uh, it's still the Monster Maroon from uh, Star Trek 2. It's two, not two to the six. man's skirt from Next Generation? It's not the man's skirt from Next oh, Generation. Oh, you think no, you know again. No, but I tell you, that was that was actually really progressive for the time. I mean, Gene Roddenberry was really trying to show that in the future, you know, gender roles wouldn't be as rigid. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of going that way. Hey, know? Trek and, has predicted a lot of stuff, man. You know, um... But uh, uh, no, the Monster Maroon from from two to six, I love. Which they tried to they brought it back for a half cameo in the uh, the, the Next Generation episode, yesterday's Enterprise, where the Enterprise C comes to the future. Uh, and I hate that version because it's oh. just the coat. They get rid of the belt and they get rid of the the duty tunic. It's just the coat. It's just a big it. baggy coat. It's just a big baggy coat. There's there's no yeah. undershirt or anything. Uh, so it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look nearly as good. Um, and, but there is a, there is one that is now pushing a very close second. I don't know if it's going to overtake or not. We'll okay. see what happens when strange new worlds come out. I was just going to say, can I make a guess? But, <laughs> but the, the, the throwback original series uniforms that, that, that Pike and his people are wearing on the enterprise disco season two for disco season two are phenomenal. I love the way they look. They're wonderful. Yes. That's what the disco uniforms were supposed to be. Yeah, I remember you telling me about and that. And then the showrunners at the time for the first season said, "Ah, let's let's go with a whole different thing. Let's just let's just make them because if you look, it's the same pattern. Yep, just just different, different colors. colors yeah. yeah. And then so disco season one, you've got instead of the red, gold, blue, you've got 
it's silver and copper or so silver, Wait, bronze, gold on my back. Yeah, it's, it's gold, silver, and bronze. So yeah. you've got gold for command, you've got silver for science, and you've got bronze for operations. Which it, it I'll be honest, at first I was like, oh we're going back to all blue uniforms, which my favorite Trek uniform, I know I'm a weird guy, is the Enterprise uniform. Yeah. Uh, I love those those, you know, navy or dark blue depending on the season. Uh, flight suits, I love that. Hey, it's a suit with a pocket, even though according to uh, cast members, a lot of those pockets were just for show. Uh, the fact that you can build a pocket into your costume, that's great. Uh, I love that it's, it's, you know, we keep the, um, the colors for different divisions on the, on the shoulders, but it's a very much more utilitarian kind yeah. of look. Um, so when we first saw disco uniforms going back to the blue, I was like, I can dig it. I like the all blue. I hated the bronze silver stuff on the, because it isn't even the full shoulder. It, it's no, so it, subtle. If I yeah. didn't know what it was supposed to be, I would overlook it. Um, yeah, now, now, but yeah, being, making them core color blue with the the metallic divisions uh, it does bridge from Enterprise to, to Disco, and then in season two we get Pike who actually, you know, he, he, they, they they put the lampshade on it because he actually says, "Hey, you know, don't, don't covet thy neighbor's starship, Lieutenant. Yeah. We got the new uniforms." Yeah. So, you know, I, I like that. That was good, and I am so looking forward to Strange New. Yeah, well, and, and uh, to further that, so the when when Pike and crew come on, like you said, it, it's the same pattern um, as the regular disco crew, but it's in the classic Trek colors, and that combination of redesigning the the classic uniform, I think, looks fantastic. Now, that being said, uh, I'm really hoping that they step up their writing game from the uh, uh, from the from one of the shorts that we got between uh, Disco Seasons 2 and Season 3. Oh. Did you watch any of the shorts? Yeah. They're actually pretty good, and they, they, they tie into, to, like, the, the shorts between Season 1 and Season 2, um, they all have payoffs in Season 2. Okay. The, the Season 2 references those events. Season 3 is different, because at the end of Season 2, of course, the, uh, the, the discovery goes to spoilers in the future. Yep, time jump. And they didn't want to spoil that, so all the shorts in Season 2 are either... Uh, Strange New World cast and oh. stuff, or uh, there's actually one we get to see uh, one guy. We get we get to see how tribbles are, are created. I think oh. uh, there's there's a whole tribble okay. origin thing, and it, it's actually really dark. It's really dark. Okay, but there's one. The first one is it's the day Spock comes aboard the Enterprise, like his first day. His first day. Okay, and you know number one meets him at the the transporter, you know, and, and everything. And, they're walking and she's asking him questions and he's trying he's trying to impress her and to please her and stuff well they get stuck in a turbo lift and the thing is it's called questions so basically it's them interacting and she's asking him questions and trying to pass the time and they get into this debate and stuff like that you know and she keeps calling for updates on how long it's going to be until they can fix the turbo lift and I'm sitting here watching this short going why don't they just beam them out have you forgotten you have a transporter do you not know that technology? Did you forget it from two minutes ago when you just picked Spock up and materialized? You can disappear here and reappear there. Okay, cool. Why are you waiting? Um, the thing that knocked out the elevators also knocked out the transporter. Well, my, my head cannon. Ah. I, I like to think that uh, number one engineers this turbo lift breakdown with all new senior officers to get this one-on-one time. Oh, uh, okay. 
No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, that's that's the only Trek thing I'm looking forward to. Although, and I did just uh, just learned yesterday that Riker appears in uh, Lower Deck season two. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to watch that now. I didn't mind Lower Decks. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't in love with it. I wasn't like, oh man, I can't wait for season two. I was like, mm, okay. Oh no, yeah, it was like, oh okay, that was that was the thing we did, you know. And I'll watch season two when it comes out, but yeah, I'm not like counting down the days or anything. Oh. But I'll watch anything with Riker, so. Riker is awesome. Yes, he is. Uh, So, moving on. Um, And the reason I wanted to bring up Star Trek first is because I think, again, I think Star Trek, for uniforms in, in, you know, TV shows and what, that's kind of the gold standard. A lot of shows borrow from that or or try to be different from that. It's it's kind of your your default. And and, and one example I'm going to bring up to, to, to illustrate this point um, a show I, I love, Star Trek, sorry, Stargate, uh, got its first big spinoff, Stargate Atlantis, uh, which is a great show in its own right, uh, I'm not saying anything against it, but uh, in that show, they come up with uniforms for the new cast to, I think, help visually uh, uh, differentiate one show from another. Yeah, yeah. In-universe, the explanation is that Stargate Atlantis Expedition is mostly civilian. There's a military detachment, but it's mostly civilian-run, so we're not just repeating military uniforms, because SG, the, the Stargate Command, is all military. Their uniforms are gray, and then in the chest area, you've got a splash of color to denote what section you're in. Yep. Um, and again, it, it doesn't follow. It's, it's not one to one Star Trek, but it is red and yellow and blue and black if you're military, which yeah. is which is ticks on my craw a bit. But uh, yeah, um, they're fun uniforms. They look super comfortable. I get the the, the idea of them. They're they're not as um, sci fi goofy looking as a lot of other uniforms can tend to be because they're sort of based on. And again, the the thing I love about Stargate. In uh, the way, I think it's easy, really easy to get people who aren't big sci-fi fans into Stargate, especially in the first few seasons. Is it's not that outlandish. You know, it's it's a military setting for what was then modern uh, times. It, it, we don't we don't start with any other fancy technology or you know uniforms that are costumes or their military fatigues. Uh, you know, they're tweaked a bit. Obviously, they're not straight you know military stuff. But it, it, it starts in a very very grounded place. In Atlantis, coming off of, was it season five or six of uh, SG-1? Mm-hmm. We've got a little bit more of that. We've gotten a little more into the sci-fi tone. Uh, and, and Atlantis starts at a different place. Yep. Um, but the uniforms are still grounded enough to not look ridiculous. Uh, my only real gripe with the uniforms is I don't understand why the military wear the same uniform just with the black color splash. Yeah. Why but, wouldn't they wear military uniforms? Well, the, the only thing I can think of that, and and uh, it's it's never, to my knowledge, it's never explained on camera. It's, they just do it. Now, of course, we know the, the real world reasons, like you said, you're, you're, you're branding the show, so everybody's kind of got to... But I think that because they, they're going through the gate to the Pegasus Galaxy, they're treating this more like a kind of a NASA mission. Okay. You know, and, and everybody has a mission uniform. Um... Because, you know, in NASA, you've got civilians and military, but military do not wear military uniforms on mission. They wear the, the, they wear the, the mission flight suit with the mission patch, just like everybody else. Fair point. So, 
if you need a head cannon, that that's that's where I would go. That'll work. Uh, don't get me wrong. The Atlantis uniforms are cool. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't dedicating all my time to superheroes and Ghostbusters, I would probably have some Stargate costumes. Well, we got we got to get our Enterprise uniforms first. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, and so, then we have to get our um, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we got to buy denim. Um, <laughs> you got to buy denim. <laughs> uh, uh, so... I still like I still love the the, the whole thing with uh, Rodney and then the the gate ship puddle, puddle jumper <laughs> gate ship this thing nah it's too grand nah. uh, man jumper. this is puddle jumper one that whole thing is great I saw a meme the other day so there's a there's a there's a Doctor Who meme that, that's been going around with the uh, with Peter Cavaldi uh-huh. uh, and everything because there's a there's a line in in one of one of the episodes or something somewhere where uh, I think Clara asks him is is for a lot you know and he says he says well it depends on context uh, uh, you know uh, it says uh, dollars not so much horseman of the apocalypse yes you know all depends on context so that just keeps going people just change out right, what it right. is you know and the one, the one I saw was uh, are, are replicators good and, and he says he says well it depends on context Star Trek yes Stargate no <laughs> I've seen that one Oh, uh, it was it was good. You know, a uh, uh, fictional uniform I really really like, and and as far as costuming goes, for the most part, this show this was one of this show's strong points. Okay. Uh, the uh, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that had beautiful. I would love to have some of the dress blues or the fight suits. Uh, well, all of it. Okay, yeah, you know, fair, I mean, all, all the way down to all the way down to the the, the out of service green pants and yeah, tank top and, and the the tape tank top thing. You know that the, the off duty stuff was good. The uh, the coveralls that the grease monkeys wear, just literally the the costuming. I don't know if the costuming for that show won an award, but it should have because it was beautiful. No, uh, dude, the the yeah, you're right. The the, the flight suits on that show looked awesome. That was always one of my. Uh, I'd love to get one of those. Yeah. They also had the. Um, wasn't there a green jacket that went with the? Not necessarily off-duty uniform, but the. the yes. Guns. Yeah. Yes, because because in the in the, in the pilot episode, uh, doesn't she? She's wearing it when she's playing poker, and then she takes it off when she goes to punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colonel Ty. Uh, which, now, I really wish they'd have made more episodes after they'd left New Caprica, but. I don't know, man. I think the show peaked right there. I don't know what you could possibly do to top that. Uh, no, but if if, if I, that's a cosplay I would love to do is is Battlestar Galactica. But I, I really want to do uh, a bridge officer. I don't want to do a flight suit. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to I want to do a dress blue. Now, I wouldn't really call it a dress blue because they do have a well, different yeah, uniform you're right, for, the, you're right. for, the, for the ceremonial stuff. But because actually the the dress uniforms and I don't think they're blue. I think they're brown. Are they? I think that I'm I, just thinking of uh, what uh, Adama always has on. Which, yeah, you're right. That, that isn't a dress blue. That's his. Way, yeah, I guess that, bridge uniforms. That's his. That's his duty uniform. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think back to. Uh, um, I'm trying to think back to the end of the pilot when he's when he's doing the uh, the, the memorial mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and I thought he. I, I, he has it on there, and I thought they were brown. And also the ceremony when, uh, I'm gonna look this up. 
because I can do that. Uh, but I can't do that and continue to talk at the same time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the, the Galactica reboot uniforms are awesome, but I, I, I always go back to the original Galactica series. Uh, the colonial warrior outfit, which was basically their kind of all-in-one catch-all. It was their flight suit when they were in their ships, and it was their just their standard costuming. That was an awesome costume. Uh, and, and that was, it, it reminds me very much of, like, Bespin Luke kind of look. Oh, yeah. Um, which, knowing how much kind of crossover there is between Star Wars and Galactica from the model shop, I wonder if some of that maybe bled over to there. But uh, that was always a really cool look. Uh, even as a kid, when I didn't, you know, before I knew what Galactica really was, I was like, man, I don't know what that is, but it looks awesome. Those jackets just looked awesome. Uh, if I could go back and... Uh, make one of those outfits that'd be cool just the, the, the look to him it was it was sci-fi but not crazy sci-fi like it looked practical like it had snaps and buckles and pockets and like yep. okay I can see that being like worn and you know it's not just and I'll say this like the, the next generation uniforms sure they look cool but they're not practical at all you can't live in that you can't yeah, work in that yeah. you know the, the famous Riker or uh, Picard Tuck the, the where he always has yeah, to pull his uniform it's always riding yeah. up on him yeah the, uh, the Riker maneuver to get on the chair because he couldn't bend in certain ways like that's yeah. you know when you had to start working around your costume to do things like sit down maybe redesign your costume well, well they, they got redesigned in season 3 okay uh, because in seasons 1 and 2 they were they were a one piece jumpsuit yeah uh, season season 3 on there are pants and a shirt okay so they, they did get redesigned good uh, but I, I just looked it up. So the Battlestar Galactica dress uniforms were blue. They just added the the sash with the the the, the metals, metals and stuff. stuff, and they added some bells and whistles to it, basically. And apparently, if you show up at a convention where Jane, uh, James uh, Edward, Edward Almost, yeah, that guy, uh, 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 James Edward Almost, um, <laughs> when. Uh, if you show up at a convention where he's at and you're in Battlestar Galactica, specifically if you're in the the officer uniforms, mm-hmm. like, first of all, he, he, he runs you down. He comes to you because he's so used to seeing Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. He doesn't see Galactica a lot, so he loves it when he sees it, and apparently you don't have to pay for autograph or anything. You, he's, he's like, here. As if we needed any more reason to do Galactica uniforms. So... I don't know if we can ever get Galactica people down here to uh, to LCTC. That would be great. I've heard the actor that played Colonel Ty isn't doing well. Uh, I, th- I think he has cancer. Asked. Uh, which, that was one thing I did not like about Battlestar Galactica. I mean, I know after after the the, the whole escape from New Caprica and stuff, it, the tone of the sh- series shifts and it becomes more political than it does in the military. And I don't care for it as much, but I still watched it. Uh, but I did not like Colonel Ty being a Cylon. Yep. And apparently he didn't either. I guess whenever he read the pages, he was just, you know, goddamn fucking bullshit. He was he was livid. But it, it makes no sense no. timeline wise. Not a single speck of sense. It, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's what you don't do your writing for your season by just throwing darts at a board and saying, yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's what we're doing. Well, because because he and Adama came up through the ranks together during the Cylon War. Yep. Which is long before the other the, the, the Cylons came to this to their galaxy, because mm-hmm. uh, the Cylons came to their galaxy in order to stop the war 
they try to get, you know, the Cylons and the humans to literally live together until, uh, 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 Al, you know, got a stick up his butt and decided to do his own thing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm referencing Dean Stockwell's character from. Yeah, I was getting super confused there. Dude. I was like, where the fuck is he going with this? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, okay. so, but, but Adama and, and Ty came up through the ranks together serving as, as pilots. Uh, and I think they served on Galactica and everything. But it, that presupposes, so if Ty, if this Ty was a Cylon, at what point was he, did he replace the original Ty? Whatever the fuck happened to him? Yep. It, just, it just opens this gaping plot hole that they're like, it's the final season. Well, because the other people that are supposed to be, they were never human. They were always a Cylon to yeah, begin with. exactly. Ty, that only makes sense if at some point we kidnap the real Ty and replace him and with the Cylon. replace him, yep. Exactly. Yeah. It makes no sense. No, that whole four seasons dog shit. It was annoying as shit. Yep. But I agree, that would be awesome to get some uh, Galactica people here and uh, that'd be fun. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to get, uh, uh, I can't remember the names. I'm blanking here. Okay. You know, the, the, the people that do the thing with us that also do the thing with LCTC and Donna, Donna, we we'll to get Donna to, uh, to relay that to oh, the powers yes, that yes. be at LCTC. We'll get Donna and Tyler on that. Yeah. Tyler, thank you. That's his name. Yeah, I knew he was. <laughs> Scooter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Scooter Pie. Short for Scooter Pie. Yeah, I love when friends come up to me like, "Man, you gotta tell such and such convention to get so and so." I'm like, "Dude, I don't think I, I don't know who you think I know, <laughs> or what kind of pull you think I have." Oh, um, oh God! I, I, had, would be cool. I had this one guy that mm-hmm. worked uh, at at my uh, warehouse uh, several years ago. Uh, Apparently he he went to uh, the, the the shows and stuff a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I came in the, my my first year. I came in with my you know for Halloween with my gear and everything you know. Okay. And uh, I guess he he found out I was you know with the Western Kentucky Ghostbusters and like from that point on he would not leave me alone about tickets. Like trying to get him tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kept going like, dude, I don't handle the tickets. I, I get mine for the group and then yep. that's it. I don't I don't interface with them. I don't know how many we have. I got nothing. But oh man. Yeah, it's uh, interesting when people try to hit you up for free stuff. It's like, I don't know. How do you think this works? Yeah. Well, that's just, I mean, that's the thing like with, uh, you know, with with Chris who runs, owns and runs uh, the Lexington Gaming Convention, you know. Uh, I mean, he gives me stuff occasionally because you know I, I I do work and everything, but uh, I, I don't I don't ever ask for anything for myself. So I don't like asking for myself. The one thing I the only thing that I really ask for is uh, I ask for the glasses for the for the Ghostbusters, which I appreciate because by the way. you all come and, and and do the do the door and stuff and help out there. So I just never never was big for asking for stuff for myself. Well, I mistakenly asked. Oh. Do you guys have t-shirts for sale? Those look cool. I'd love to get one. And was then told, you cannot buy this t-shirt. You have to impress Chris to earn one. I'm like, uh... Sounds like a weird way to base your economy, but okay. Chris likes to give away swag. He loves I've noticed it. that. He loves it. Uh, it's one of his jams. 
In fact, I think the entire reason he created the Lexington Gaming Convention was, was, was not to play board games. It was a giveaway swag. Gotcha. <laughs> that was it. Uh, actually, actually, I think that's how it started. He just started hanging out at the convention center, you know, just by himself, giving right. away things. And the, the, this convention just slowly grew around him. It's just, you know. Uh, but yeah, he loves giving away stuff, and it, it, but 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 he doesn't. He he won't give it away just because you say, "Hey, give me that." You've got to do something. That's the thing. Gotcha. You know, uh, it, it, it's uh, it, it's good. It's it's a fun time. Um. So uniforms. We talked about some of the good. We did. We talk about some of the bad. We can talk about bad. One of my number one most disappointing WTF uniforms ever. And this this whole movie is kind of a what-the-hell uh, disappointment. Uh, the G.I. Joe battle uniforms from G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra. Somebody saw Batman. Thought, man, that bat suit sure does look cool. Take off the cape and the cowl. Make that a G.I. Joe uniform. You know, G.I. Joe. Real American hero. The thing known for everyone having a different uniform based on whatever they're... Division of the military and specialty, right. their, and, and whatever their stick was. Yeah, yeah. You know, shipwreck dresses like a sailor. Well, it does like village person. But, yeah. <laughs> Snow job has a big winter parka. Uh, you know, everyone dresses for whatever their thing is. You know, uh, and someone looked at Snake Eyes. It was like, oh yeah, all black leather or you know, like a rubber bodysuit. Yeah, make that make everyone look cool like that. Well, we try to make everyone look cool like Snake Eyes. Uh, first of all, they fucked up Snake Eyes, and then everyone just looks dumb. Yeah. Uh, and even in the second movie, J.J. Retaliation, they had a beautiful setup to ditch the old uniforms and bring in the whole, like, everyone wearing their own thing. Because in the second movie, for most of the movie, they're on the run from the government. Uh, G.I. Joe was framed in, in the government, which is being run by Cobra, as, like, disowned. Um so I was like, oh, here we go. While they're on the run, they've got to ditch the uniforms. They'll go back to, we'll see them in some kind of version of their, like, action figure kind of uniform. Because they're basically wearing whatever they feel like now. No, no, they will not. They'll just wear generic street clothes. And, and nothing fun will Yeah, happen. but, you know, we, we got the, I mean, we, we did get something uh, true to the character with, you know, the rock playing roadblock where he rhymes all the, oh, wait. Swingin' Yeah, but we sure did get uh, Bruce Willis for some unknown reason. Those movies suck, is what I'm trying to say. I haven't seen the new Snake Eyes movie yet, but from what I'm told, it's not much better. Uh, I'm not uh, planning on it now. Yeah, um, but no, that was one of my biggest disappointments. Is like, dude, th- those costumes are not hard to do. They'd be really, really cool to sort of modernize a bit, um, but keep them, you know, distinctively the Joes. But no, we went with generic rubber bodysuit for everybody and it just looked dumb yeah I really wanted to like that movie um, you know I, I got so here's here's the thing you know the you got the the, the accelerator suits at, at the beginning which, which which are only in that movie because only... Steven Summers wrote a whole script about accelerator suits that nobody bought so when he got G.I. Joe, he forced that in. He forced it. Well, I mean, I just want everyone to know that. But, but in, in G.I. Joe, there there were some like augment like suit things. Yeah, but that's not point. what G.I. Joe is about. Well, but they did have they did have really cool and interesting you know vehicles and such because well at least in the later ones you know because you got the you got the the Terradrome, you got the, the 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 bubble pods I can't remember what those were called uh, you know and everything you get the single person helicopters which were some of the funnest toys ever. 
Um, but then they, when they try to do in that movie, when they try to do GI Joe vehicles, they have them where they're camouflaged as regular vehicles and stuff folds out of it that cannot possibly practically fit inside that vehicle with passengers. I'm like, just have a big ass military vehicle. That just, where's the, where's the hiss? I mean, I would love to see, you know, we a, did a, get a hiss tank in the second movie. Briefly. Yeah, yeah, a his tank. Yes. Briefly, we didn't get a whole. And it was a hovercraft, and uh, I mean, they, they, yeah. again, they they tried in retaliation, but it was too little, too late. Uh, well, what kills me is again, like, and, and this is you know, my my GI Joe for me is you know my frame of reference. I grew up with a lot of hand-me-down toys from my older cousins, so I had a lot of the earlier GI Joe stuff. But they weren't necessarily like sci-fi. They were just like, here's a toy of a military vehicle. They you know changed the names and whatnot. Like the the Sky Striker was an F-14. Uh, I forget what they called the helicopter, but that was a, a, um, a Cobra attack helicopter, which yeah. made into a toy. So very easy. I mean, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure G.I. Joe did not get the approval of the U.S. military. No, no. But it cannot be hard to find someone to rent those vehicles for and just have those. They already exist. They're real. Yeah. Well, and, and Wild Bill flew the G.I. Joe version of the Apache helicopter. Yeah. You know, because it was, it was brand new and new in the 80s, so they, they adopted it for G.I. Joe. And uh, I forget what it was called. But, yeah, you've got the... the wow. Now, why we don't have the character of Wild Bill, you know, coming to the rescue in a fucking Apache helicopter, you know, just, I don't know, because that just screams awesomeness. And then, of course, you've got the crew-led, uh, they called it the Tomahawk, but it's a Chinook is what it is. Yep. You know, uh, you know, they, they got all this stuff that they could have used. It would have been great, uh, but they didn't, so, you know, oh well. Yeah, just, I mean, that's, that's the, the awesomeness of a kid of G.I. Joe was... Uh, military toys and, and, and granted they weren't exact one to one military and they called them something different in the show and whatnot. but like and that's something they kind of you know, the first act of that first G.I. Joe movie kind of got right because you see like standard military gear and then Cobra comes in with their sort of more sci-fi-ish kind of gear and just pones them yeah. just completely owns them um, and, and then we, we, we never quite get back around to okay well G.I. Joe was our answer to that but what has G.I. Joe got we've got shitty Iron Man suits and a Humvee with some weird shit and uh, that's it that's all we got oh well <sighs> well since we're on the subject of, of, of bad uniforms and, okay. and such I'm, I'm gonna bring us back to Trek cause uh, <laughs> cause I, I'm gonna I wanna talk about the, uh, uh, the the single movie use motion picture uniforms uh, okay which personally I kinda like uh, I don't dislike the design, but the colors are boring. It well, it was a very muted color scheme. So, and, and this is something I don't like about Discovery uniforms. Okay. So this is going to tie into one thing I hate about those uniforms. So in, in Star Trek, the motion picture, they they went to this kind of a pastel blue weird jumpsuit thing. It's not a jumpsuit because you got you know, stuff on it, uh, but. Instead of having easily identified colored divisions, the division color is in the circle behind the delta on the pin, which makes it, or the, the patch, depending on what uniform you're wearing, which makes it very hard to see on screen. You can't tell. Everybody looks the same. Um, 
And that's one thing I hate with that they've done with Discovery is the rank insignia are pips on the Delta. And it's gold on gold, and you can't see anybody's rank. Nope. You know, I mean, unless it's an extreme close-up, you know, and you can look down and see it, but it doesn't stand out. Uh, you know, I mean, in Next Generation, they, they took off the uh, they took off the braid, you know, but but they gave us gold pips on yep. a stark black collar. It stood stand out. out very easy to see. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't stand that. I, I, I didn't like that at all. I did like the different uniforms. Like, Kirk has a different uniform when he's an admiral, but then he takes the temporary grade reduction and he switches back to the other one. And I love the fact that they had a throwback nod to the to, to the motion picture uniforms in the, uh, the Kelvin timeline movies because Pike is wearing that a very stylistically similar admiral's uniform uh, in in uh, uh, at, at the well whenever he's in Starfleet Command. Now, when they're on ship, they're wearing the duty uniforms, but uh, when they're at Starfleet Command, they're wearing those 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 grays and everything with the epaulets and they get the hats and stuff, which is a little bit stylistically similar to to those. But yeah, it's uh, uh, that's one thing I loved about uh, what. Uh, um, uh, the Kelvin, the Kelvin movies did with those. Uh, I will have to say though, I, I I really don't like using the Delta as a as a pattern. Yeah. Uh, Into Darkness did it, and uh, Discovery doesn't. Then they they started that with um, the reboot, didn't they? The first the O9 no, Star Trek? Did I don't think I don't think the O9 Star Trek had I think it was the I think it was Into Darkness. Okay. The, the standard tunics used the because you can't tell it that it's a delta, you know, because it just patterns out at, right. in a distance. But uh but it's just little deltas and I'm I'm like, see to me that just doesn't that just doesn't work. Now uh, on the uh on the on the uh the Starfleet headquarters uniforms where they have the gray coats and stuff, the buttons are little deltas and I can kind of forgive that. Uh, I still don't like it because, like, you know, the United States military, like the Army, when they're in, when they're in, uh, uh, not utilities and not class A's, but they're in uh, class, like, class B's and C's, uh-huh. uh, uh, the buttons are just buttons. They're not little Army symbols. You know, you, you don't do that shit in real life. No. And that's, that's where uh, costume design uh Overtakes military practicality. Uh, it's, it, it, they're uniforms, yes, but they're being designed by a costume designer who want them to look pretty. Yeah, I just stuff like that. I, I don't like. Um, well, if we're, we're going to get back on Trek, uh, we got to talk about my absolute favorite version of a Trek uniform ever. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I know it doesn't quite make sense. I know it's kind of hesitant to call it an actual uniform, but my favorite look from Trek. And if I could only ever do one costume, it would be this one. Oh, yeah. You know where I'm going. The Kelvin uh, suits. Yeah, the Kelvin suits. From yeah. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, that is a great looking suit. That is, that is wonderful. It's very Mass Effect, uh, which is probably why I like it. Uh, in fact, in Mass Effect Andromeda, when you can uh, create your own uniform for your crew, uh, I went through and spent like 45 minutes designing a uniform, uh, only to realize as soon as I was looking at it, oh, I just made the Kelvin suit. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, one thing that I love with, um, uh, with Beyond, and, and Beyond, 
Beyond suffered from the bad sequel, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you only do as well as the previous film. Yeah. So people loved the reboot, so In the Darkness did well. People didn't like In the Darkness, so Beyond suffered for it. Yeah. Um, one thing I loved in Beyond is I loved the Kelvin pods. The fact that they were called Kelvin pods because it allows the bridge crew to stay on the bridge and continue running the ship during an evacuation until the very last damn minute that they can get off the ship. Uh, it's a wonderful addition. It's my second favorite addition to Star Trek ships in the reboot. Uh, and I'm laughing because I know it's your first favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I've told it on this show before. The James. window on the bridge. The, the window on the bridge. By God, is the most practical and beautiful thing. And the fact that it carried it over into the new Prime timeline just makes me so happy. Uh, and all the Trekkies out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was about to disparage Trekkies. I can't disparage Trekkies. All the Trekkers out there. Yep. The Trekkers. Well, that doesn't work because there's no windows in the original game. Fuck you. It's a damn remake. All right. It's in the prime timeline. It's just a reimagining. Watch the damn show. Enjoy it and get the hell over it. Uh, but I love the Kelvin pods. I love the fact they were called Kelvin pods. And I love that whole scene because out of the entire original, uh, the, uh, out of all seven crew, mm-hmm. well, technically eight. Eight? Yeah. Eight. No, seven. Uh, out of all seven crew, um, Kirk, uh... Kirk and Chekhov are the only ones to leave that ship in an escape pod. Okay. Because if you'll watch... I haven't watched it in a while. So if you watch, I, I believe Sulu... I can't remember if Sulu's still on the bridge and he gets, his, he gets in the Kelvin pod or not, too. But I know Spock and McCoy are in a turbo lift when the neck rips apart yeah, yeah. and the turbo lift just shoots out into space. And then they get they get taken over by one of the ships and they take that ship over uh, uh, Uhura is the one that separates the ship so that the so that the uh, the, the impulse drive can the ship can stop drawing trying to draw power from the warp drive uh, and when she does she's stuck in the engineering compartment with the big bad guy mm-hmm. and, and he takes her uh, and then even though Simon Pegg is my least favorite casting in the movie Okay. I'm not saying I dislike him. He's just my least favorite because I thought there was a better choice in my my humble opinion. He's still Simon Pegg. I still love him. And if I ever get a chance to meet him, God love him. I have to shake his hand for giving me one of the best Montgomery Scott moments ever because Scotty leaves that ship in a torpedo casing that he hacked so he could control it from inside. He fired himself out of torpedo tube. Because he, he was trapped in the torpedo bay and he couldn't get to an escape pod. Almost like Simon Pegg wrote that script and wanted to give himself something cool to do. <laughs> well, he did. <laughs> and it was beautiful. No, the uh, the Kelvin suits are the... It, it looks like a motorcycle suit, kind of. Mm. Uh, it's, it's the... And I don't quite understand how they end up changing into them so quickly. Because we see them get into the Kelvin pod in their British uniforms, and then they get out of the Kelvin pod. They're wearing these suits. Um, but they're, they're I, I guess, meant to be like an emergency survival suit. Uh, there's a holster for the phaser, which is great. Uh, I, I love built-in holsters for phasers, because we always try to like clip them on the costumes and stuff. And it's like, yeah. no, just, just put a holster on. It's fine. 
do belts not exist in the future? Just put a belt on. It's fine. Yeah. Now, now that's one thing I dislike. Uh, that, that's one thing I don't like. Stylistic choice they did with the Kelvin timeline is the phaser beams. They went from a continuous beam to pew pew lasers. Uh, and I, I like, I like I'll give you that. that was one thing that definitely made Star Trek stand out from the other sci-fi stuff yeah and that's one thing I love about Enterprise is um, in Enterprise it's not until the end of the first episode when yeah. they get their phase pistols because they're still experimental um, and, and they use I forget what they're, uh, what they're called but they basically they have you know your standard sci-fi show laser guns uh, that fire the pew pew it's not a continuous beam uh, and there, there are moments. Ooh, that car got fucked up. Uh, there are moments throughout the the rest of the series where some of the crew come in to get retrained because uh, the phaser doesn't fire the same as the the previous guns. You don't have to account for uh, like the plasma drift or whatever uh, Reed calls it. it, it you know, it's, it's a continuous beam, so you basically put it where you want it and pull the trigger. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, eh. Now. There's a reason that Star Trek has a quote-unquote phaser and why it's called a phaser. It sounds cooler. Well, it, you're not wrong. Okay. That, 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 <laughs> that's, that's the truth. But So at the time of the 1960s, of course, you know, lasers were, were very popular. People were using them in movies and stuff to do things, and, you know, lasers were still very scientific, you know, science-y and stuff. And, uh, and, and you couldn't go out and buy one to play with your cat with. You know, so uh, look how far we've come. But at the time, there was a there was there was something that that Gene Roddenberry had written or read about, which was called a maser. Uh, okay. And I'd have to look up what an actual maser was. Uh, but he's like, that sounds you know, because everybody's doing lasers, you know, and those laser bolts and laser guns and stuff, you know. Uh, I mean, hell, like you know, uh, old school Flash Gordon had laser guns and stuff. So he just changed it to phaser because it sounded cooler. Uh, and he wanted to differentiate it a little bit uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I, I always thought that was, that was fun. It was good. Oh. Turn left on the Kentucky 146 East. I think you got to turn left on the Kentucky 146 East here. Mm, I feel like I want to go right, though. Okay, but she's gonna get mad. Unless she's always mad at me. Continue on Kentucky 146 East for one mile. We haven't even got on 146 East yet. <laughs> We're close enough, apparently. Uh, other bad uniforms? Uniforms we hate? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on bad uniforms that I don't like. Cause we've got bad in a good way in the uniforms from Wormhole Extreme. Yeah, but that was... The uniforms that have an X in them. Yes. That was meant to be bad. That was... I know, but I love that. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I don't know. I know this I know this isn't fictional, but this is one that I really loved, and I have to give right. this movie credit, was Major Payne. Okay. Major Payne did a beautiful job with their on-screen uniform. You just thought they did a beautiful job. Just love that movie. Mm-hmm. You could have just left it at Major Payne did a beautiful job. That's true. Love that. It, it did. It's a wonderful movie. Um, and and uh, D- Damon Wayans, right? Yes. D- Damon Wayans does his salute correct. Everything about his demeanor is spot on in that. A quarter mile, turn left onto Cedar Point Road, New Cut Road. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know how far you've gotten into it yet, but it's, uh, in Mass Effect 2. Oh, no, this is not. I did this last time, too. Uh, sorry, in Mass Effect 2, you get to personalize your armor. So Mass Effect 1, you just swap out your entire suit of armor for another suit you want to switch out. Mass Effect 2 allows you to swap out different sections of armor uh, that all give you every, every, you know, you have chest, arms, legs, helmet, uh, everything gives you a different kind of boost, so you can max out one attribute, or you can kind of mix and match, but you can go in and recolor everything, uh, change your color scheme, change the texture, all that kind of stuff, which is really fun. Um, but the, the classic look of the N7 armor, uh, the black armor with the red stripe down the, the right sleeve, um, that's always been cool to me. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of stuff in that same kind of vein in sci-fi since then. There's that um, the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Uh, his his white uniform looks very Mass Effect-ish. The, the Kelvin suits, to me, look kind of Mass Effect. Yeah. But uh, that whole aesthetic is awesome. I haven't gotten to Mass Effect 2 yet. Because uh, I've, I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole on this, 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 this really great game that I was turned, told about recently. Um, Farm Simulator 19. <sighs> I offer you multiple games of a branching narrative where you can choose your own path and build your own character and change your stats and pick from multiple classes and save the galaxy and you decide you want to play on a pretend tractor on a pretend farm instead. Old McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. This is what I'm working with, folks. This is what I'm working with. <laughs> uh, except whenever you drive all the way across town to, to harvest a field and remember when you get there, you forgot to pick up the tool for the harvester. Well, why are you driving across town to harvest somebody else's farm? They, they, they paid me to. It's a contract job. Oh, okay. So, are we getting close? Where are we at? So we were heading to pick up Travis and drop off a present to, to his daughter. Yep. Uh, he was about 10 minutes from the theater, so yes, we're, we're getting close. We should probably wrap up then. Well, this wraps up your episode of Riding Shotgun. We hope you enjoyed our random thoughts about Star Trek and uniforms and whatever else we talked about during this episode. And uh, until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert. Get out of my car. Travel has a funny way of bringing people together. Oh, you're going to outrace the police car? You're going to outrace the police car? Jack, where are you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. Wait a minute, I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. I was somewhere between Toledo and Cleveland. Look, you've got five hours left. From the director of Beverly Hills Cop. What is your plan? You guys look like you do a lot of traveling. Yeah. Midnight Runs.